Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Picture this. It's Saturday morning and you're on your John Deere compact tractor. You're effortlessly breaking ground on your new landscaping project. Next, you're moving piles of rocks just by moving a lever. And now, you're enjoying the warmth of the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand everything you can do with a John Deere compact tractor, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. For an all-new episode of Keep It, I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel, and I'm realizing that L.A. must deaden my immune system because, like Ira, I am just back from Fire Island after a week where I came down with some tropical fucking malady the entire time, and now I'm back here and feel normal. <laughs> so I guess I can only live here. It's a very congested island. Yes. No, yeah. it, it truly... Like, if There's one thing that unites it besides everybody wearing the same pair of athletic shorts everywhere they go. It is sinus infections. You know what? It is a... I've been out there four times this year already. That's and too it, many. And it, wh- How many times have you been to Palm Springs this year, bitch? Girl, are you fucking Columbus? Stop going to that island. <laughs> it's the island brings out comfort in a way that um, I feel like doesn't exist when you're just like hanging out in the city. I do go everywhere in the same athletic shorts you gotta like tea in these like you'll go stop by a friend's place in these it's also a very it's a very drop-in island you yes. know it's sort of like like when you watch a sitcom and people just drop by people's houses people just do that no people just show up at your door and ring the doorbell and they're not you know missionaries or whatever they're just <laughs> there to hang out and you have to be welcoming because that's the spirit of the island and your gay ancestors are leering over you hoping you fulfill their legacies or whatever i have never no, been so like reminded that. <laughs> no trust me i want to be ha- haunted by gay ghosts in fact i pat i passed um some house out of the way to, on the way to the beach one time and there was a flag up above one of the houses and the flag had on it if i'm not mistaken judy garland carmen miranda and marlena dietrich yes and, oh okay. the black and white one Correct. Now, that is amazing, but it also could mean that the people in that house have been dead since the 70s. So I don't know (laughs) what's going on there. I wanted to investigate, obviously. I think Betty was on one of the flags. Oh, imagine Um, if she wasn't, yeah. The the men of Vogue were not on it, though. Absolutely. Who wants to see Joe DiMaggio? I'm sorry. (laughs) Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire. Yeah, Fred Fred Astaire, not a looker. I'm sorry. Gene Kelly, that I can can roll with. Mm-hmm. Mm, all right. I actually would say that I am um, I am at my nicest on that island. You think so? Yeah. I mean, truly, it's it's a place where time does not precede the moment you are in. Basically, mm-hmm. you're like, you. all your conversations are about, what are you guys going to do tonight? What did you mm-hmm. do last night? What's happening tomorrow night? Like, you don't have any understanding of, say, news. or mm-hmm. and, Or at least among gay men, like, there was no conversations beyond 
Barbie and Oppenheimer regarding popular culture. I don't remember anybody talking about whatever TV shows were airing at that time. Or even Drag Race, really, which is crazy. Well, I don't know who you were hanging out with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We were talking about hot breaking news, like Kyle Richards and uh, Mauricio Umansky divorcing. After 27 years. Wow. Yeah. And when you put, putting that into my language, that's like if, you know, Ed Harris and Amy Madigan broke up and I would not leave the house. Yeah. Sometimes because, like, when you're on the island, you're with your friends that you're in the house with, but you're also just around, like, different groups of people. Sure. Uh, and so you, you're not used to, like, the your regular housewife person or your regular, like, whatever certain pop culture friend you have. Like, you're used to talking to them about something. Um, so it was surprising. Like, I saw the news come in on Instagram. And then I also saw, like, other random people at the party I was at getting this news. Uh, and their eyes lighting up at the news. And I was like, oh, these are the housewives people here. Right. I want to say somebody said to me during this breaking news, they were like, oh, did you hear the news? And they they said breaking news in a tragic way. And at that point, I was still reeling from uh, Madonna being in whatever state she was in. So I assumed that was the topic. I was like, don't play with me right now. <laughs> I'm about to stand on top of this island and scream. And then also, by the way, the amount of fucking gay men who are like, oh, yeah, I guess she had like a little episode last week or whatever. Bitch, can this be top of mind for you? Are you not fucking gay? <laughs> what the fuck? I'm telling you, the island, it's, it's, that's island life, okay? It's Janet Jackson, Demita <laughs> Joe, island life. It is, when I tell you, I ran into someone who was like, um, who's, he's fine. Uh, but <laughs> well, he sounds great. He's, I saw him on the boardwalk. And I will also say that sometimes I walk along the ocean if I'm going to um, into town, as you would say, like to, you know, the pavilion or like the pantry or to Got tea it. or whatever, because there's less foot traffic on the ocean side. Correct. And yes. sometimes I don't feel like saying hi to everybody that I walk past. No, and I try to do that, by the way, and it's awkward, because some people are like, oh, look out, leper, I know you have Lyme disease like these deer do. <laughs> uh, but someone stopped me, and I gave them, like, a like a nice greeting, you uh -huh. know? Um, like, they were an old friend I hadn't seen in forever. And they were like, are you've never greeted me like that in New York. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something, bitch. If I see you at a party in the evening in New York, do you know how many journeys I've gone through in a single day in New York City before right. I run into you at like 9 p.m. Meanwhile, what the fuck have I done all day when I see you on the island? No, Nothing. we're mostly interacting with a breeze. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is the best version of me. Live in that luxury <laughs> with me. Yeah, don't question it. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, now, when I did see you for the first time, you said I was the first person to make a Lady Vanishes joke. Yes. About your luggage, which is gone still. Guys, let me tell you something. I have never lost my luggage before. I've been very lucky on airplanes, etc. This particular occasion, I was switching trains because I got on the wrong Long Island Railroad train to Montauk or wherever I was supposed to go. And I just was like, oh, I have to switch trains and left it in the luggage carriage on, on top of the train, you know, where you can like mm -hmm. put it over the seats. It has not been seen since. And I keep bugging them at Penn Station. And look, I've never asked anybody to do anything for me before. As you know, I am a lowly Midwesterner. I, um, I, am, I am humbled in this life. What I need you guys to do is to keep harassing them at the Penn Station Lost and Found. Because, baby, there are so many pairs of amazing pants in that fucking luggage. And if I don't get them back, I will scream. Now, what kind of luggage is it? Like, how do we find this? How do we, how do we launch an investigation? Ira, thank you so much. It is a gray, large Romova bag, which, by the way, I, I like sprang for like the good luggage. 
all good luggage gets fucking scuffed. I don't know why there is an obsession with getting good luggage. It looks it gross now. Yeah. And let me tell you something about Away. They haven't paid for ads this week, so I don't give a fuck. Uh, I got their aluminum, uh, like the like the really nice aluminum ones. And Away has a um, policy where like they'll replace broken luggage. No, Away has has it together. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. but. When you read the fine print about the aluminum ones, oh here we go. Bangs and scuffs on that do not count. So because it's aluminum, like there's a part where like if something gets banged or like jettisoned out in your suitcase, there's just like this big like dent in it that looks oh, like you were fighting the Incredible Hulk. Uh, <laughs> they will not replace that. Weird. Oh, so they're very conditional, and yeah. there's like there's somebody on site assessing whether or not it's like car insurance or something. Yeah, and I travel a lot, so like my luggage looks like shit. Yeah. No, my luggage has never looked good, even after using it one time. So um, anyway, uh, there's just lots of shorts I would prefer to get back. I Mm. started dating a really nice guy on the island, and he must be fucking rad because he promised to pick me up if they find it. Woof. Get you a man who can. Y'all, Lewis had an island boyfriend. He He was with him every time I saw you. I let me tell you guys something. I am not this whimsical. I don't know what came over me. As as Ira has stated, something changes on the island. Uh, you were Jennifer Aniston. You just went with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit Jennifer Aniston in The Good Girl, and that I can be seen looking forlorn in a place of retail. But that's it. Mm. You get me on the island. I'm Jennifer Aniston in We're the Millers. Okay, I'm, you're liable to see me stripping on a pole. <laughs> she does that in that movie. Yes, I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> it's a very good movie. I am constantly a missionary for this movie. Okay, like I, I, I am knocking on doors. Oh wow! And telling people to watch We're the Millers. Do you know? I often think about with Jennifer Aniston how she claims she auditioned for Saturday Night Live and then chose friends instead. And I think that would have been an equally viable path for her. I mean, she would have been a great Saturday Night Live cast member. Yeah. I mean, she probably would have been on for like two seasons. but Before launching into something else. Yeah. Yeah. But I see that for her. Who would have been on fucking Friends then? <sighs> who, was, who was lingering at that time? Penelope Ann Miller? I don't have an answer. <laughs> Rosie Perez right. on Friends. Yes. Because Seinfeld was already on, right? Yeah. Oh, JLD, you're thinking? Yeah. Who, by the way, I know we constantly talk about her being an icon, but like yeah. she really is an icon. I was, um, I left Fire Island. I went to Denver this um, weekend to see Fall Out Boy. Um, that does sound like you. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you'd expect me to be doing. Right. Uh, and my hotel had a projection screen instead of a Get TV. Get the fuck out. Um, the Catbird in Denver. It's it's a beautiful hotel. Oh, um, all right. And I was watching, I just putting on Seinfeld episodes. And in my rewatch, like before bed, over, for over several months, like I'd finally gotten to season seven. And that is some of her best work. I I have to say, when I watch Seinfeld, what I'm struck by is even just the way she enters a room and like lets a lo- a one liner kind of fall out of her mouth. Like how immediately you are acquainted with who that character is. Not that the other people on that show are bad, but there's something about her where you immediately... She, she's so believable in a show where everybody is like a different pile of neurosis. You right. know, I just find her to be a, like a true character. And Jerry can't really act, uh, but he's right. funny. And yeah. Michael Richards is doing Michael Richards. I would say that uh, she and Jason Alexander um, are the best at being in their character 
in every scene because one yeah. thing that they that one thing that George and Elaine are constantly doing is they're always reacting to whatever is happening in the scene. Like George is saying something stupid, and then you've got Julia Louis Dreyfus like reacting with her eyes. You yes, know? right. Like, and he's like annoyed when someone is doing something like annoying. Like they both are just constantly living in the moment. Honestly, I would love to. I remember like post sign. You remember post sign vote when like all of them had a show? Yeah, right. Oh, I remember watching Ellie. I was there. Yeah. Watching Ellie was great. Yes. Bad, but great. Um, and then Jason Alexander had a show. I think yep. he was like, was he like a detective? He had he had a show. It was a title character, Bob something. Ugh, oh. I can't believe I can't think of it. But you know, the Michael Richards show was, I think, maybe the detective one. But uh, yes, and that yes, was his yes. whole racist era too. Right. Um, but which in retrospect is so funny to me. Just him screaming the N-word at a comedy <laughs> show is so it's so like it's so Morgan Wallen. Yeah. Wow. And by, by God, have I been bombarded with that name this weekend since Olivia Rodrigo toppled him on the top 100 after that song last night, which, again, if you have a pontoon boat, I think in order to turn the pontoon boat on, you have to play last night, um, <laughs> was number one for 13 weeks. And now she's at number one with Vampire because yeah. she is still mad at that guy. Yeah. Or Taylor Swift, uh, if you believe the rumors. Um, oh, I see. But... All those shows that they created after, like, Seinfeld, like, trying to make them stars. Uh, and then they all became their own, like, stars in their own right. And even though Julia is really the only one who's had, like, shows that I would say are, like, successful and iconic posts. Yeah. Seinfeld. No, Julia's the only one who's going to be getting a Kennedy Center honorees yeah. thing. But um, I would love to see her and Jason back on the screen together. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I just want to say that I absolutely know what you're talking about. It's such a pleasure on Seinfeld to just watch her, like, reacting to dialogue in a scene with, like, a kind of snide look on her face or skepticism or whatever. She's constantly registering something. I want to watch her old SNL episodes again, too, just to see what she was trying out in the mid-'80s with her husband, Brad Hall. Yeah. I also want to say that I, unfortunately, will not be on Keep It next week. I have to go to St. Louis because my beloved uh, grandmother passed away. It was kind of a long time coming, but she was uh, rad as fuck. My mom is the second of 13 kids. I have 37 or so cousins on that side. Countless great-grandkids are on that side. They're all fucking named Emma. I can't keep them straight. <laughs> but um, uh, so I will be there. Ira will be finding a co-host. I'm sure he can do some talking without me. It's been done before. Uh, but I was thinking about hanging out at my grandma's house uh, growing up because obviously when there are that many adults in a house, the grandkids all fend for themselves and like hang out by themselves and watch TV or whatever. And I just can't believe I would always go down to the basement at her place in St. Louis, go through the VHSs, always, always put on the Sandlot. How could I have been that excited to see the Sandlot so many times? I'm telling you this was a six-year window. How did this last this long? <laughs> did you grow up on this movie at all? I didn't watch The Sandlot that much, but there are movies that I remember, like, we specifically put on a lot. Like, like you remember, like, that soccer movie, The Big Green? Oh, I mean, this, but some of the same people. Uh, yeah. Uh, the great Hambino from The Sandlot is in that, and so is Olivia Dabo from The Wonder Years. I've seen that movie too many times to count. Also, that movie fucking sucks. It's a bad movie. It's a and bad also, movie. Bug Hall from the Little Rascals movies, another movie I would see constantly at my grandma's house. Yeah. Um, where are they now? Bring me the Little Rascals. I want to know where they are. <laughs> um, divorced, beheaded, died. 
Uh, Anne of Cleves, my favorite little rascal. It's so weird, this symmetry in the universe. My my um, great-grandmother's um, memorial service was last week. Uh, she was just shy of 91. I was going to say, my grandma was 93. Oh, okay. Well, you know, my family was having these kids young in the South. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> well my, my, so was uh, my, my grandma's Irish Catholic, if you couldn't figure it out, St. Louis in the 1950s. <laughs> what they would do is they would get up in the morning, make breakfast, and then make another kid. <laughs> um, but no, it was like I was thinking about, um, you know, spending time in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, and that, that's where I first was really watching, like, Young and the Restless every time I was there. Because oh. my great-grandmother loved it. Uh, and my great-grandfather watched it, too. Uh, really, like, all the adults would gather in the living room um, to watch Young and the Restless when it was on, whenever we no. were in Elkhart. Because I was usually at Elkhart over, like, you know, some, like, holiday or something. When enough adults are gathered in a room to experience Nadia's theme with a gay child in the room, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Grow up and be a heterosexual? I mean, just absolutely not. I think sometimes about growing up, my dad, all, he, my dad had pretty good taste in comedy specifically growing up. He was a big TV watcher. And every TV show he watched had a, a female protagonist. I can't think, like he was barely even into Seinfeld. It was always something like Cheers or 30 Rock or whatever. So I'm sort of thankful for him. Yeah, I feel like my great-grandfather was sort of the same. I mean, listen, he was a Marlboro chain-smoking um, Budweiser drinker. Oh, just uh, like you. Was, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Real I'm Humphrey more, Bogart type, yeah. <laughs> I'm more um, Parliament and Martinis. Yes, but, right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more metropolitan. But um, same, I mean, he would sit there and watch Young and the Restless. Um, but also, historically, never told anyone in the family that he loved them. It was always, it was always, <laughs> um, the, the turn. Oh my but, God. But, but it was, it was like, um, my jaw you hurts. know, like a, a man of that age, right? Oh, you know, yeah. like it was always a different euphemism for I love you rather than ever actually saying it. I remember like my grandmother like mentioned that, um, like, in his memorial, um, which was, um, God, over a decade ago at this point. Um, I mean, honestly, like, it's, you know, we the family was pretty happy with my great-grandmother um, oh. passing, you know, because she'd been, you know, she hadn't been remembering things for quite some time, um, for maybe almost 10 years, you know? And so mm -hmm. now, you know, it's uh, she's laid to rest and it's 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 a peaceful moment. So I, I was going to say I'm excited to see my hundreds of relatives. It'll be a full 101 Dalmatian situation, and I'm the what Dalmatian would I be? You know, snarky off in the corner. Yeah, I don't like seeing my extended family. They always want money. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a great show for you this week. That's true. Uh, <laughs> speak, speaking. <laughs> Speaking of Julie Louis-Dreyfus on SNL, I've just realized now in this moment that, like, I always send us to the rest of the episode like we just did an SNL monologue. Right, yeah. We've got anyway, a great show for you today. we've got a great today. show for you this week. No one is here. <laughs> Them crooked vultures are here. Sorry. No, <laughs> uh, no one is here. We have no yeah. guests this week, uh, which means you're going to get um, a longer More keep it. You're going to get a longer keep it segment since I know y'all were mad last week. I'm sorry. We were on vacation. 
You're right. We played with the form, and it it didn't pan out. You guys were upset. Yeah, the girls the girls were mad. Um, but we're also going to review Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One, and everyone is using Threads. So we're going to talk about Threads and the maybe death of Twitter, and a lot more because you know us. So we'll be right back. So, we made like Tom Cruise and ran full speed ahead to the theaters to check out Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 or MI7, you know, if you don't want to say all those words. Uh, <laughs> then we drove a motorcycle off a 4,000-foot cliff to get to this episode and record it. Which seems like too much, if you know us. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be put in charge of a radio flyer wagon, let alone that. <laughs> um, I... Believe it or not, love this movie. I enjoyed it. You know, it's like, there's, you just have to not question it. Every choice in this movie is cartoonery to the end. I would say these movies are Cirque du Soleil for dads. It is about <laughs> sitting in a theater, looking up, saying, wow, seven times. You know, there's like some banter connecting the scenes. Yeah. There's some threads. There's like a little bit, you know. But mostly, it's about these giant set pieces and these uh, 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 henchmen-type people like circling each other, circling Tom Cruise, and mixing it up and making it seem like it's a completely rational universe. Uh, Tom Cruise, I would not say his performance has evolved much, but he is still, you know, toppling landmarks and making it seem like that's just an everyday part of his job, which is the entire assignment. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, we all know that I love Tom Cruise um, on this show, um, but I really did enjoy him. And I mean, like, listen, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to evolve much. You know, he's playing Ethan Hunt um, sort of um, in a, uh, you know, he's, he's exasperated sometimes, you know, sometimes he's cocky. Um, I do like his evolution, you know, of like family man in the series, you know, like he, he cares about his friends deeply. Um, but it really is just nice seeing him on screen, you know, and it's different from, you know, when he does need to flex his acting muscles, which he hasn't had to in a while. Maybe the last time was really, um, American made, uh, yeah, because um, this and, you know, sort of Top Gun Maverick are sort of similar. Um, but he's just fun to watch on screen, you know? It's fun to watch a movie star on screen, you know, in a film. No, that was my feeling about n- no hard feelings. I was like, here's somebody, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is dominating every scene with a knowing charisma. Uh, and we're like sort of in the palm of her hand. Uh, yeah. Also, just the casting really is a triumph in these movies. I think Vanessa Kirby is worth the price of admission alone. Vanessa Kirby I, is so kooky in yes. this Yes, here's the thing. So she, <laughs> so Vanessa Kirby is like this femme fatale character. She's in Fallout, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, um, I struggle to articulate why she is better than most people who would be playing that role. For, first mm-hmm. of all, she strikes the very normal silhouette of a femme fatale mm-hmm. that like looks familiar, but there is something about her, the look in her eyes that like it's between diabolical and daffy. Mm-hmm. And that has so much more character than other people who would play this role. And also this woman is just like a, a new legend thinking about what she brought in the crown, what mm-hmm. she brought in that 
you know, up and down movie pieces of a woman that started out amazing at, at any rate. Also, Ellen Burstyn is her mom in that movie. It makes no sense. Ellen Burstyn's 10,000 years older than Vanessa Kirby. Moving on. Um, <laughs> but it, in this, you really get... You, you You just don't know at any given moment what side of the character you're about to get. And she is so, so enticing. Haley Atwell does a really good job, too. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Vanessa Kirby is... Vanessa's just, a legend. Did you also see her in um, Streetcar Named Desire? I saw her with Gillian Anderson. I did not. Unfortunately, she killed it as Stella Kowalski too. This this woman just like aces all along the board. I think that you know not not to really spoil the movie, uh, and it's hard to sort of spoil this movie anyway. Um, but right. you know, one of the Mission Impossible standards uh, <laughs> that is in this film is you know the masks where people are pretending to be each other. Oh God! And at one point, someone has to pretend to be um, Vanessa Kirby's character and. You get to see Vanessa Kirby playing her own character completely different because she's now playing someone else pretending to be her. Right. It's a it's a Tatiana Maslany type assignment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly who I would like compare her to. Yes. Actually, like they're they're both sort of like very loose um but also intense. Right. They just have that there's no other way to put it mutant quality. Like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, like Andrea Riseborough, a couple of these, it's like, what the fuck is going on at any given moment inside your head? I don't understand how this is all organized, let alone so seemingly in control at all times, too. Now, do you think Vanessa Kirby would have won if she was into Leslie? Oh, my God, that's a crazy thing to say. Well, you've... <laughs> no, I think Two Leslie ultimately is too small a movie, especially mm. compared to Everything Everywhere All at Once and Tar. And by the way, I flew into LA the other day and the person next to me was watching Tar and then as they put it on I said good you're watching Tar like I like instructed <laughs> them to keep watching it they're like it was they're like it was kind of slow to start but eventually I was really glad I watched it I was like yeah you were anyway I just become I've become super militant about Tar first of all I would have been afraid to turn it off right if I didn't like it because you because you had said that next no suddenly to me. I would have a gun on the plane <laughs> like, pointing it at them yeah uh, no, and by the way, a pleasure to watch even out of the side of my eye as I watched what I watched, which, by the way, was the original Ocean's Eleven, speaking of, um, not the Frank Sinatra Ocean's Eleven, the Brad Pitt, oh. uh, George Clooney Ocean's Eleven, which... Okay, because the Frank pleasure, Sinatra is boring as hell. It's so boring. Uh, God bless Angie Dickinson, but it's so boring. <laughs> uh, the Brad Pitt one, speaking of action movies, uh, it really was enjoyable. Steven Soderbergh is a really good director, but I was surprised at how low octane it was in... In you know, like there's no huge, there's really not a set piece in it. No. You know, it's really about these like kind of fun character interactions. And I would say the best performance in it is "Get Ready for It, Julia." Yeah, I mean, listen, they they knew she was the best, and they're like in you know Ocean's Twelve, they create that wacky set piece for her. Which I'm an Ocean's Twelve apologist. I'm just gonna put that out there. Uh, I find it funny. I would say it's also kind of like the Adams Family values of that, whereas they geared it towards how good Julia was. Like, Adams Family values was geared towards how great Christina Ricci was. You right. know, they, like, shifted it a little bit. Um, but it is interesting that you mentioned how, like, low-octane, like, that one was. Because I feel like if you're watching sort of the evolution of action movies and where we are now, the best action movies sort of do that Mission Impossible thing where it is you're gathering a bunch of really interesting set pieces— and then you find a way to sort of puzzle piece them together. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's it's less um, I don't know. I was reading like old reviews of um Die Hard for some reason. Oh, yeah. Um, and 
it was just interesting, you know, like Ebert complimenting that movie, you know, because like it's really interesting because of the character choices, you know, and like there's a really like people were excited by the scene, you know, where like he sort of um just um shoots the glass, you know, uh yeah, in, 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 in the film. It's like, oh, an unexpected thing like that. But now it's sort of like now we expect like insane set pieces. And it's sort of just interesting, like the evolution of how you construct an action movie. I mean, the fast movies are like that too, right? They're just like set piece after set piece. And like some of the characters are fun and interesting. I would say what Mission Impossible has over other franchises and action movies is that, you know, like the characters at the center of Mission Impossible are all still really fun to watch and interesting characters. Yes. Like Ving yes. Rames is amazing in this film. I think Ving Rames is markedly improved from the last movie too. I don't know what it is about his performance in this movie. It's not like he gets quote unquote more to do mm-hmm. but the it's still a lot of exposition but he is just nailing it like you're really glued to his character there's like a a, a lived in gravitas to that character I also just want to say the thing you're talking about the moving from set piece to set piece action movie setup that can seem sort of callous and like there's not a lot of um, soul in it but there are old action movies that are like this too and I want to point out Marathon Man if you've not seen that mm. which is Dustin Hoffman uh, up against uh, a bunch of people, but uh, Olive- uh, Lawrence Olivier is the main villain in that movie, and that really boils down to a couple of interesting set pieces. It culminates in this, I'm going to call it a giant cistern or septic system or something, but like, yeah, it, it's 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 gritty in a 70s way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, Logan's Run and The French Connection, Logan's too. Run, great, yeah. g- great uh, example. I do want to say about this movie, though, about this Mission Impossible, they really are having a hard time not repeating themselves with some of these things, mm. though. For instance, the plummeting scene in Fallout, I yeah. would say, still beats and has more suspense than what we get from the midair sequence in this movie, which, based on the trailer, you know you're getting. Yeah. Um, I will also say that, like, the trailer sells you like the plummeting train and the um, jump on the motorcycle. The best sequence in this film is the um, car race through Venice. Oh, yes. And also, again, uh, uh, Venice, we've seen that before in Casino Royale. So it's like you have to be aware. And actually, uh, that particular sequence reminded me also of The Man from Uncle. Did you see that? Yes. I mean, you know, I love that film. Yeah. I will say this about The Man from Uncle looks amazing. Good for Guy Ritchie. The acting is atrocious. It's Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, and Alicia oh. Vikander. <laughs> uh, to me, I would describe them as clueless looking in this movie. <laughs> Henry Cavill, by the way, really good in the last, in Fallout, though. He was great in Fallout. I actually think, you know, like, I love the casting in this, but I, and I, but I was sort of missing sort of like a larger than life sort of villainish character you know like the yeah. villain the, the the ghost in this one um is sort of a little ho-hum and giving you a little like bond villain yeah at this point also, there's also a villain in this the uh is it pom clementiev who plays the mm-hmm. uh, a very traditional seeming bond villain who like an odd job type character who dies yeah. before the main villain i didn't think that turned up many dividends for us either yeah, uh, I was missing sort of that, like, Henry Cavill and, you know, even, like, the Angela Bassett of it all. Angela Bassett slayed in Fallout. Fucking yeah. loved... That, that's ex- I mean, that's somebody who can handle a show like 911. Like, all right, I can do this urgent, seemingly boring, fast dialogue, but imbue it with a sense of command and authority and fearsomeness. Yeah. So that is what I was missing just a little bit. But, I mean, 
it's a fun as hell movie. Uh, if you love the Mission Impossible movies, you're gonna fucking love this. Um, and, uh, and and also, I just want to say, this is the kind of thing that would normally bore me. Like, I'm mm. I'm not a fan of this genre, and they find a way to make it a- appealing constantly to me. I never wanted to leave the theater, which I'm surprised to say. Yeah, and that's that's literally what I was about to say too. To wrap up, I was like, this movie is maybe one of the longest on the Mission Impossibles. Like, it's like three hours. I didn't feel the three hour timestamp. At all. Yeah. And I would say I definitely felt that in Top Gun Maverick, which I know people are obsessed with. I would say this is way more entertaining and less, I guess the word is pretentious than Top Gun Maverick, because that movie wanted to have like a depth of spirit ultimately and say something about the relationship between Miles Teller and Tom Cruise. Ain't nobody saying anything about any fucking relationship here. Here are <laughs> goons fighting and ending up on a fucking train. And the final and the final action sequence on the train, I think they they kind of uh, rolled into some novelty with how they stage it eventually. It's yeah. it's really extreme. It's, of course, like a CD-ROM game, but it's still a pleasure to watch the final sequence. Now, for our listeners who don't know what a CD-ROM <laughs> is, Lewis. <laughs> Windows 95. You were either there or you weren't. Number crunchers. <laughs> Number crunchers. Wait, is that oh. the name of the game? Wait, number munchers. N- number munchers. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Ice Spice's favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> that number's a munch. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, when we're back, threads. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated. So, don't believe the dupes. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times, okay? You're going on Oprah, you get in the car, and you're getting some Barefoot Dreams. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. So, for Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. When you think of the messiest celebrity feuds of all time, who comes to mind? Besides me and Lewis. Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun, Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan or just about anyone from any reality TV franchise. Disintel is a podcast from Wondery, hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each hilarious episode will take you through one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds and serve you a little dose of chaos every week. They recently covered the story of the explosive and dramatic fallout between Candy Burris and my favorite trader, Phaedra Parks, on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. They went from TV besties to sworn mortal enemies, and the relationship ended with a criminal allegation that rocked Bravo and its fandom for years to come. So, if you're ready to gossip, follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Disintel early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. 
Black Stories, Black Truths. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Each episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shimerda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories and Black truths. Black stories haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. And by us, I mean me and Lewis. <laughs> I'm black, you're tan. <laughs> oh, that's extremely generous of you. <laughs> I look like I belong in Portrait of a Lady, honey. It's like deep white. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. All right, if you've been keeping up in the latest in the Zuckerberg-Musk rivalry and... How could you not? It's the most entertaining fight of the century. Oh, titillating. Yeah. Um, two completely interesting characters. I'm joking, of course. The Social Network, a very good film. I am hard-pressed to think of any director or screenwriter who could make Elon Musk's story watchable. And it hurts my head to even think about that. Like that someone would be inspired by that I idea and then want to realize it on film. I think we should start taking, like, USC film degrees away from people, if that's the direction we're heading. <laughs> now, what I would watch is the film about Azalea Banks trapped in Elon and Grimes' basement. Oh, please. No. You think I haven't written that one act? <laughs> and also, she needs to play herself. Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> you can't tell me Azalea can't act. You can't tell me that. I would like to see it, okay? Right. She'd definitely be better than, like, Nikki and the other woman. Please. No, A Star is Born. Yeah. I want to see this version. Um, anyway, the fight continues with the launch of Threads, Instagram's um, new uh, social media platform, which is basically Twitter. Yes. Uh, <laughs> except, to me, it is missing a couple of crucial things. One, I think the thrill of Twitter is you don't really know where the tweets are going to be coming from at any given moment. You know, like sometimes it's a news organization. Sometimes it's a completely random person. Sometimes it's, you know, a loser. You know, just anything. I'm not getting the <laughs> wild mishmash I need. Threads to me feels a little bit like an anesthetized Facebook feed to me. Yeah. Right now, Threads is basically sort of, it's it's a feed like you would have on any platform, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. But... The algorithm right now, it's it's giving you it's giving you weird things in the algorithm. And I'm pointing this out in the sense that this right now, you can't you, there's no feed of only accounts that you're following. Yes. Right, so right, right. You're getting feeds from just like you're getting like threads from everyone. Um and for some reason, um my algorithm thinks I'm really into Jesus. <laughs> 
I'm getting a lot of people like. Are you learning posting. a lot? I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a lot of like, you know, like rise and grind or like Jesus loves you threads. And I'm like, who, who at Meta thinks I'm into that shit? No. Which of the stations of the cross do you think applies to me? I just am not there. Easter's over. Um, but there is something weird and sort of compelling about tweeting into this abyss right now because at least when you're tweeting sorry threading into this abyss I, yes. st- I still keep saying tweeting even though we're threading um into this because i feel like when you're tweeting you're at least like tweeting to your followers right yeah like some they're always like the people who get shocked when their tweet like gets out of their sort of inner circle uh and then it goes viral and then there's everyone commenting on it right mm-hmm. but that is how these threads start out because they're they're not to your followers just no one has just a feed of people that they're following which means that everything that you write is for the masses creepy yeah it is a little creepy but you can limit who responds to it um which i've been doing because like you know i tweeted and we'll get to this to keep it secret like my thoughts on speak now taylor's version you know and having random Swifties respond to me. I was like, you know what? This isn't Twitter. You will not be responding. Oh, yeah. Well, particularly them. I yeah. changed it to people that I follow. And on Twitter, where it sort of encourages, like, um, pylons, like you can quote tweet people to death. Uh-huh. You can quote tweet people on this, but there doesn't yet exist a search function Um where you can search for actual threads by word, and you can't look at a thread and then look at all the quotes of it. So actually, like, the instinct to sort of, like, try and pile on a tweet, like, especially if you're a stan or something, right, it it goes away because you can't see those other um, comments from um, like-minded people. So it's sort of like if someone quote tweets you, who gives a fuck? No one's going to see it. Right. I, when I look at threads, I don't really know what I'm looking at. It's just like a random collection of stuff, and it doesn't feel like a headquarters in any way. I get that I might be I might be seeing some amusing threads or, you know, oh, you posted a picture of that thing that I'm interested in, but it's not like Twitter where I know where everything is. I mean, I'm sure these steps will come mm-hmm. um, along the way. But um, also, can I just say... When you sign up for threads, you have the option to just immediately follow everybody in your Instagram feed. And so I, did I didn't not. even th- I let me tell you something. I did. <laughs> I just went for it. Worst mistake of my year. And as you know, I just lost three thousand dollars worth of luggage. <laughs> I am not super into watching Instagram acquaintances misunderstand the news. Uh, no. I don't know what I was thinking, and I'm stuck there now. And, and as you know, if you want to delete your threads, you have to delete your Instagram account altogether. So I am living in a state of purgatory. <laughs> the other weird thing is seeing people try to figure out what the platform is using, you know, their own personal. It's like it's like a it's like um, and creating a superhero team. You know, yeah. like some people are coming in with their specific skills. Like, how do we all work together to defeat Thanos? You know, you got the Instagram gays coming in. They're like, well, I could just still post like thirst traps of me being hot. Right. And I'm like, that's that was nice for like a day. Um, <laughs> then I got tired of it. And I was like, I can see this on Instagram. Leave me alone. Right. We definitely do not need to recreate Instagram. Yeah, Correct. I do yes. not need to be bombarded with this like photo of like the speedo photo of you on every single platform that I follow you on. Go away. 
Right. Which, by the way, I just want to say also, I know that like half of the gay universe has like Twitter alts or uses Twitter for porn. I find that so exhausting. I can't believe how much like actual sex people ingest every day. I'm not saying I'm not seeing it, whatever, or, like follow porn star friends on Twitter or whatever. My, like, we, we can't we can't be replicating that either. I, and I don't think we will on Instagram, but yeah. Come on, Carrie Bradshaw. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you Phyllis Schlafly today. Yeah. Sex uh, is bad. Yeah. Don't have it. Actually, like, one of my friends, um, who shall go unnamed, uh, but, like, was recently started, like, an alt, and they were, you know, tweeting it in their close friends. Uh, who wants the alt to follow it? Uh, I was like, one... All the people who are going to follow you on this all like you've you fucked already. So yeah, what, like, what, what, what is the point here? <laughs> um, also, I don't get the alt mostly because like you're not even monetizing it. No, right. It's just uh, you know, like I- I'm feeling myself, and once every five days or whatever, I'm gonna show you that I'm aroused. Yeah, I'm like, okay, great. You know. I don't get out of bed for less than ten thousand yeah, dollars right. a day. <laughs> Linda Evangelista really was being instructive <laughs> in that moment. We need to follow her example. Meanwhile, gays are taking pictures of their home and not even making ten dollars a day. No. So <laughs> this is like the opposite of uh, an infomercial. <laughs> you can show your hole and make less than five dollars a day. Uh, but then, you know, you got you got the Instagram gays trying to make it happen. You've got people using threads just like it's Twitter. Um, That's kind of what I'm attempting to do. I'm just yeah. like throwing down my stupid one-liners, and I don't think anybody cares. But the, Yeah, but then there's the brands. Oh, have they invaded? I haven't seen much of that yet. Okay, well, so like the, on the first two days, really, the brands were going overboard. Because obviously, you know, like, and I'm not blaming the social media managers before someone comes to their defense in the comments. Uh, but <laughs> get a life, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously there's you know, like a higher up, like a boss telling these people, like, you know, like just like make a presence, you know? Right. And I'm glad it stopped a bit, or maybe I'm just not seeing it as much because I feel like what was happening is with with all of the brands attacking, you know, it was giving Mars attacks with brands just oh, like yes. constantly. Um I was blocking some of them. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people were too because like it it got annoying. And so like you're if you're going so hard in the first couple of days, people are going to block you. Why not just wait and see like what Threads is like and how you can actually like engage with people. You know? Especially since it's Instagram and you shouldn't be seeing primarily brands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would change my experience entirely. I think. I mean, like I understand, like they Instagram, like in stories, will advertise certain things to you. But if I'm looking through a feed of my friends and getting a ton of brands, like that's an immediately alienating experience. Yeah, it is nice to have my check mark back, though. Oh, you got it back? Well, on Instagram, I've always had it. Oh, I see. Yes, me too. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's nice to have it on Threads, even I though have... can't you buy Instagram checks? I, bet. I feel like it's I not bet. as prevalent as people buying them on Twitter, though, where if you see someone in a blue check mark, like, run the other way. Right. Also, I will say, I've never thought I cared about it, having a check mark ever, but if I'm, like, exchanging information with somebody I meet casually, and, you know, I'm, like, reading my name, I'm like, it's L-O-U-I-S, and I immediately stop, 
and wait for it to come up and see if I'm in the top five that show up. Usually Louis Vuitton is ahead of me, but when it's not <laughs> and I'm at the top with my check mark, I'm sorry, but sleigh boots. I'm sorry. It looks so chic. You know who's never above me? That glass bitch. It's always Ira. Is the, Ira, Ira the third is always the first one when they type in my name on Instagram. Not Ira Gershwin Stan account. That's not number one. <laughs> Love a lyricist. Uh, Porgy and Bess have to speak somehow. Yes. Anyway, Threads is here. It's a C-minus experience for me right now. I'm not craving it. It's certainly not replacing the urgency with which I go to Twitter. In fact, there's nothing urgent to me about going to Threads at the moment. Yeah, well, you know what? You sound like the Taliban, Lewis, because <laughs> they just endorse Twitter. <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the Taliban endorsing Twitter is like Scott Bale announcing he's leaving California. You're still here? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a relevance issue. <laughs> yeah. We know what your whole thing was. Yeah, moving on. I'm like, I'm sure they have a podcast that no one listens to as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Reusing their old takes. Yeah. <laughs> We've heard it all before. <laughs> Talibanel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm upset at that. That was good. Don't love being beaten to a pot. That's my whole job at Jimmy Kimmel. By the way, I miss my job. Can someone employ me? Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Can we hit the strike? Yeah, Jesus Christ. I'm about to hit the picket again, softly, because I'm tired. I am so on top of, like, freelance invoices that are, like, lingering of people who haven't paid me yet because I'm like, you know what? My bills has been affected. I bet. <laughs> I don't have the income coming in anymore. No, I'm paying for a ticket to St. Louis for my uh, late grandmother, and I'm like, I remember when I used to pay for this with money I earned. How about mm, that? Yeah. You're Betty and velma it. You know. Meaning? Charge it. Ch- what? You do not remember that clip? From? The Flintstones. The Flintstones. Oh, I don't think so, no. Oh my god, wait, that is one of my favorite pop culture references that I feel like no one is remembering anymore. But, uh, obviously because no one watches the Flintstones anymore. I feel like we're the last generation that yeah. watched the Flintstones. Um, there's a scene where like they're, they get like their first credit cards. Oh, uh, oh. And, you know, that, um, you know, like a like a horn plays, it's like, da-da-da-da-da, and then they both pull out their credit cards and they say, charge it! And then they oh get to the mall. That is amazing. That seems like something that would happen on Rocco's Modern Life, which, looking back, <laughs> is that was secretly about like the woes of capitalism, mostly. Anyway, yeah. and that that scene has been stuck. Um, in, that scene has been like imprinted on my brain since I watched it as a kid. Oh well, you know who I've been obsessed with recently. We'll move on from this. I'm sorry, this is a Lewis tangent. The woman who voiced Betty Rubble was this awesome voice talent named B. Benaderet, who was supposed to be Ethel Mertz on I Love Lucy. Mm. And she eventually became famous on a show called Petticoat Junction, but then died soon after. But she was basically the female Mel Blanc. In fact, mm. Mel Blanc would go into a booth and say, oh, there's my other wife, B. Benaderet. So look her up. She's super fabulous. Let me tell you something. Petticoat Junction was boring. I did. <laughs> right. Most junctions hot are. Hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> uh, keep it. You're going to get canceled by what? <laughs> CBS in the 60s. Yeah. But when Nick at Night TV Land was on and Petticoat Junction would like come on after I Love Lucy, you know, right. or after like I Dream of Genie or something, like I would change the channel. No. Right. I mean, or go to bed since you yeah. were, you know, seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you love Petticoat Junction, you're probably dead. So <laughs> <laughs> we won't be hearing from you in the comments. I'm going to say, 
You passed away just now. When we're back, keep it. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. The Crooked Store's latest collection has a clear message for anyone trying to take away abortion rights. Don't. The No Trespassing collection features four different designs, each inspired by a different state where abortion is under attack. There's Stay Out of My Swamp for Florida, Stay Out of My Hole for Arizona, Stay Out of My Prickly Pear for Texas, and Stay Out of My Strip for Nevada. But obviously, I'll be wearing these no matter where I am. A portion of proceeds from the collection will go to Vote Save America's F-Bands, the Fight Back Fund, which currently is supporting abortion rights organizations across Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. Head to cricket.com slash store to shop. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode, Keep It. I guess it wasn't our favorite segment last week. Right. We just ditched it. <laughs> well, it made us fondly remember it, and now we're excited to be reacquainted. Someone was like, isn't that the name of your damn show? Yeah, we aren't confused. <laughs> we know. It was like a sitcom episode where the main character is is gone. Like, because they're on maternity leave or something. Or, right. you know, like, um, or those early episodes of um, Dynasty um, after a big cliffhanger, after the Moldavian massacre, where Joan Collins was, like, you know, still negotiating with the producers. Uh, and so you didn't know if she was alive or dead. Oh, yeah. Or when there's a backdoor episode of a sitcom where they're trying yeah. to introduce, like, a spinoff and they see if it's going to fly and you only get Schneider from one day at a time and not Bonnie Franklin or Valerie Bertinelli. This episode is still on my mind. I fucking hated that episode. Anyway. <laughs> so we've got bonus keep-its for you this week. Sure. Yeah. Lewis, what's your first one? Okay, this is a minor one because this has nothing to do with the content of what we're about to get. Uh, my first keep-it is to the title of Britney Spears' upcoming memoir, uh, I would have loved if she had referenced something from her own discography or for, from her own iconography, which is now extends well beyond her musical output. 
is called The Woman in Me. Ma'am, that is a Shania Twain album. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, you are okay. not that. Well, now, Lewis, it is a reference to a Britney song, but it's a very dumb song. Wait, you're, uh, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman? Yeah. I'm just trying to find the woman in me. First She's of all, founder. brilliant rendition, by the way. <laughs> I absolutely will be seeing you on Broadway. You go through the Hollywood round. I'm Second of be all, in and Juliet. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Yes. I just don't love I, the woman in me. Like I just, I just don't like it. Mm, I That's get it. it. Yeah. yeah. I just it, it, it it's not serving. I'm I'm not it's not like iconic for Britney. A little um, too turfy. Sure, yes. Yes. Precisely. That's a yeah. JK Rowling uh uh memoir title. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, moving on. I have to say keep it to this fucking Wonka trailer. Guys, I was I don't want to say optimistic because I think we've, you know, messed with this franchise or this character enough. But I just watched the trailer I honestly don't think um, Timothy Chalamet has given a bad performance yet that I have seen. I've enjoyed him in everything. I loved him in Lady Bird. He was a revelation in Call Me By Your Name. Uh, even in Bones <laughs> and All, which is sort of a minor entry in his uh, filmography, I thought he was really good in that. I loved him in Beautiful Boy. Mm. There was not a single second in this trailer where he was fucking giving. And also, specifically, it sure does not seem like the writing is giving. One <laughs> ingredient that is not in this that, you know, is in common with the other iterations. Roald Dahl, something was fucking messed up with Roald Dahl. You do yeah. not want to look too closely at the life of Roald Dahl or what he was going for at any <laughs> given moment. I'm sure it gets really offensive the more you peer. He's strange. He loved to really um, alienate kids. Mm -hmm. He loved to uh, be unsettling. As I always say, I think reading Roald Dahl is the first time a child says, what the fuck, to himself. So is it any wonder that I loved Roald Dahl books? Precisely. No, me too. Yes, I love James <laughs> and the Giant Peach. That was always my favorite one. But here, uh, one, as we've said before, I just don't think there's much to mine in the personal history of Willy Wonka. I'm, I don't think I'm going to gain anything from knowing he had a maternal figure he looked up to or that he really wanted to be a chocolatier or there was some sincere ambition to him. Mm -hmm. Because the thrill of Willy, Willy Wonka, at least in the books... And in the 1971 version with Gene Wilder, he both had a conspiratorial quality where he could engage mm -hmm. everybody. And then also an instantly alienating quality, too, where he could turn on you at a moment's notice. And I'm not getting either of those extremes here. Uh, and in fact, I'm not getting much in the way of comedy from Timothy Chalamet, either. I guess yeah. such, if you think of him on Saturday Night Live, was he that funny? I don't know if he's the right man for this job. Listen, I was sort of like... Um... Erica Dixon and Ariane um, from this famous scene in um, Love and Hip Hop um, where yes. they're watching uh, Mimi Faust's um, sex tape. Um, watching this trailer, I was going, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, this shit was in different areas that I did not want to watch. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I was, first of all, just sort of taking in the entire, like, you know, Wonka, um, you know, sort of, like, history or whatever. Everyone's supposed to be shocked when they go to um, Wonka's factory because he's so secretive. Like, what's going on there? Like, these other candies and things he has, right? Right. You know, uh, he's a recluse. So, is he just—has he been floating people around with floating chocolate, like, forever? Yeah. 
No. It, it, it feels like it's taking the fun part of Willy Wonka and making it a banal and the kind of they're not making it they're making him less opaque they like we there shouldn't be we, we shouldn't know why he's reclusive ultimately also just fucking make charlie the great glass elevator which is a crazy ass fucking book and it like really grandparents is. become like <laughs> minus 20 years old and stuff it's not right again something is wrong with Roald Dahl and also additionally there was a still from this movie that got out that was turned is now in the trailer Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa faggots I don't want to see it I don't want to see a short Hugh Grant. I just rewatched Four Weddings and a Funeral on a plane the other day. Spotless, scintillating comedy. And by the way, Kristen Scott Thomas in that movie is the picture of 1990s chic. Nobody looked better in the 90s than Kristen Scott Thomas in that movie. Andy McDowell, good try. Um, yes, I uh, uh, do not need to see him being endearing in fact i need hugh grant to be even meaner in movies even meaner well he's mean in person that's what i mean bring it (laughs) throw it down yeah i don't want to see this movie i mean i will but yeah um, there's a little bit of a demented accidentally demented quality about this movie like the cats trailer gave us once upon a time yeah i mean it's like it's not in charge of it if this is the new cats then bring it on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can handle another helping of that. All right, I'll rent out a theater for that. And listen, I mean Timmy needs one really good like you can't be you can't be a movie star until you have one really good flop on the True. Belt. Yeah, you're right. He kinda doesn't have one. Like Dune was great. Looking at his filmography, he has a lot of movies that like we have not seen. Um, <laughs> but um I saw this movie Hot Summer Nights. With him and Michael Monroe, uh, it premiered at South by Southwest in 2017, and then was released like July 27th um, by A24 in a limited theatrical release. Uh, it's basically you know like this kid who goes to Cape Cod uh, after his father dies, and then you know he gets um, into selling like pharmaceutical drugs and shit. It wants to be like a Spring Breaker sort of Brett Easton Ellis kind of vibe abysmal oh wow well abysmal. i'm gonna say i don't know a thing about it so yeah. i have the distinct uh, feeling it's not if, given. <laughs> uh if you ever watch this movie uh you're you're in for a ride it is really just a wacky dumb movie but also speaking of brett easton ellis um the shards is coming to hbo oh wild who's in it um there's no casting yet but luca is directing it oh Famous Timothy uh, accomplice, yes. Yeah, he's directing every episode, and Brett is writing every episode. Mm, I feel somewhat dubious about that, but okay. Listen, it might be his. It might be his redemption for the canyons. I can't believe that was forced on us. It's an astounding <laughs> thing. Ira, what are your multiple keepits this week? Uh, so my first keep it this week goes to Speak Now, Taylor's version. Somebody told me that this was the first Taylor's version that surpasses the original album. You don't agree with that? Who who was this? Were you were you at the cuckoo's nest? <laughs> to were, be fair, it was a stand. They'll just say anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I you know I first of all you know the, to get the first elephant out of the way, um, she changes the lyrics to "Better Than Revenge." Oh right. You know, where the line used to say, she's better known for the things that she does on a mattress. Whoa. 
in Taylor's version, it's changed to he was a moth to the flame. She was holding the matches. I don't need to hear any more moth and flame metaphors. Woof. Actually, Madonna, Madonna has also overexercised those. <laughs> Leave them with candor and ebb. Yeah. <laughs> I also say, I feel like this album, Speak Now, is sort of the, this is a glib comparison, the art pop of her uh, oeuvre and that fans really defend it. But it really is only known for a moment or two. Like, people know the song Mean primarily from this album, right? So I don't feel like it, it, it's, a, it's a tough album to grade coming back. I would say Reputations are art pop in that they're both artists' best albums. Oh, okay. Uh, I love a little hostility from you on that front, and also you're crazy, because <laughs> Lady Gaga's best album is The Fame, hands down. Um, the other thing about this album is that, listen, I get the re-recording, you know, um, because, you know, the, the I get the she whole thing. She doesn't own the masters, yeah. so yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I, I get it, but recapturing that, like, fury, especially considering the 2009 that Taylor had with all the, like, the Kanye shit and everything, recapturing the fury of the 19, 20-year-old who was writing this album while touring um, the Fearless album Mm -hmm. is going to be hard to do when you're 33. Right. I do have to say, though, I feel like she kind of has the advantage in her corner of Something about her appeal is, even as we get older, we still have these sort of teenage feelings. So I was wondering mm-hmm. if the album would play similarly now. Like, oh, you know, we're all kind of like moody teens at heart. I, I don't mean to say mm-hmm. this to denigrate her work. I just think that's kind of an appeal of her. No, of course. I mean, and listen, like it worked with like JoJo, like when she was singing yeah, these sexy totally, songs as, totally, a, ki- yeah. as a kid. Now she's like a grown woman. Right. Uh, and I kind of like aspects of... um the Rent um, film soundtrack. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they they have, um, you know, the, ca- the cast's voices sound, you know, like, more mature, you know, like, uh, Another Day sounds sexier from um, uh, Adam Pascal than it does in maybe the original one where, you know, he's a bit more, like, whiny and shouty. Got it. But I don't know. I just, I just missed that... Um, that raw energy that she had as a kid, you know? So, I don't know. And I think on this one, like, the the From the Vault versions, like, you know, the song with Paramore and the song with Fall Out Boy, like, they sound boring to me, you mm-hmm. know? Like, especially with, like, Patrick Stump is an amazing fucking vocalist. Haley Williams is an amazing vocalist. And when, like, a Paramore or a Fall Out Boy song, like, hits, like, they're singing out, you know? Like, Babyface worked with Fall Out Boy, okay? Like, mm-hmm. Babyface performed... Thanks for the memories at his tiny NPR tiny desk recently. Uh, and like a lot of people discovered that he um, produced that Fallout Boy song. Um, I think that like Paramore, the reason why Paramore and like Fallout Boy have black fans, you know, and there's always that joke online about, you know, like black people of Paramore is because like the two lead singers like are vocalists down. Like they, like they give you notes, they give you soul. Etc. And I feel like they're just a little bit muted on the songs on Speak Now Taylor's version. And I weirdly find her muted on the songs too. You know, mm, like she's not giving, she's not giving, you know, like, um, you know, when you really hear her like going all out on a song, you know, like, like I'm giving vocals, I'm giving energy, I'm giving like anger or something like, they just feel sort of like ho-hum. 
to me. Well, so, well, also, by the way, I think you just said it, like, the quote-unquote drama that this album is about is so exhausted beyond everyone's wildest dreams. Like, we've yeah. been over that time and again. So to dredge up those feelings or, you know, think about that, it's just not going to s- sound the same or have the same kind of viperish edge. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's sort of akin to... Um, I don't know, like, a, a friend of mine was talking about, like, you know, like, they ran into um, someone who, like, used to live in L.A., um, you know, like, back when I used to live there, like, years ago, right? You know, and um, they were just, they were talking about, like, some, like, drama that had happened within um, their group of friends from, um, I don't know, like, four years ago or something, and it was really, like... Who gives a fuck? Right. Yeah. It's I 2023. That's tough for Taylor. Why, yeah. It's like, why are you running into me and talking to me about something that happened in 2019? Who cares? Yeah. Right. And no. that's sort of what this feels like. So um, I'm going to be streaming Scooter's version. <laughs> Scooter, we should have like a tally up who wins each album, Scooter or Taylor. <laughs> I put on threads that I was going to keep listening to Studer's version, and okay. someone said, What we're not going to do is uplift this man. And I was like, Girl, She's still getting money from it. Chill out. And also, I wonder how many stands are truly listening to Taylor's version every time. I wonder. Yeah, I want to know. Yeah. Tell us in the comments or tell us in DMs if you're too ashamed. Yeah. Because also, a lot of the fans own the CDs and vinyl too. So at that point, you know, like if you're listening to it, it's not like the streams are going to him. Yeah, right. I I actually have Speak Now the original on vinyl. So if I want to listen to it, is that even going into his pocket? Oh, well, I don't believe vinyl is for speak now, so I don't know why you did that, but go ahead. <laughs> vinyl is for Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded, <laughs> which I just also got. <laughs> or the purple Exile and Guyville that just came out for the uh, uh, 30th anniversary. Mm. Liz Fair, I'm seeing you on tour. Ira, what's your other keep it? Uh, my other keep it this week goes to men. Oh, you don't say. What does that half of the population (laughs) doing right now? And not the Alex Garland film. Oh, which, I mean, that would have been perfectly valid. I mean, also an abysmal um, piece of cinema. But, um, no, it goes to men in particular after, um, first of all, Kiki Palmer's Baby Daddy. What a fucking mess. (laughs) This... I love that this entire thing um, sort of unspooled because Kiki Palmer wore a sexy dress, a sexy sheer dress, um, to see Usher in Vegas. And her baby daddy commented on Twitter, it's the clothes for me. We're something like a little less revealing or whatever it is he said. And that sparked the internet telling him that Kiki can wear whatever the fuck she wants to wear, obviously, because she's Kiki Palmer. Right. Um, and then finding all of his other tweets where basically he's sexist, homophobic, maybe an incel. <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities are endless and also frightening. <laughs> I've never seen someone sort of like bury themselves that, that like wildly. You know, it was so it was so abrupt. Obviously, we'll get into a related story in a second, but can't you fucking hear yourself when you tweet things like this? That you sound like you know you're you're giving the mayor and Footloose, you're giving uh, 
just like horrible boyfriend. Like what kind of woman would want to hear that kind of thing about herself publicly and privately? But, you know, I mean, like I was talking to some girlfriends too, you know, and they were basically like not shocked because, I mean, isn't that just sort of men in general? I mean, like gays will like experience that too, you know? I mean, like how many gays do we know who are in like maybe say like an open relationship, right? You know, like, you've decided that this is going to be, like, the rules or whatever your relationship now, you know? And then one of them, like, starts to change the rules or be more demanding as it goes on, you know? Mm. I feel like a lot of people, I feel the main problem in this Kiki situation, um, and then the related story that we'll get to as well, um, is people sort of being attracted to one thing and wanting one thing, and then... I don't know, wanting to Maya Angelou Cage bird it, you know? <laughs> right. No, I've seen a lot of threads on Twitter and threads about uh, <laughs> how people are attracted to like a vivacious personality, a really self-possessed person. And then as the relationship continues, it becomes more about containing that and making sure it's, it feels comfortable, you know, to them. Meaning like they, they aren't, you know, attracting other people with that same personality. You know, yeah. it's just about that one person. It's, it's about it them possessing a self-possessed person. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I had like a acquaintance, you know, who was like dating someone who was um who did like OnlyFans, right? And then it became um, oh, actually, I wish they didn't do that anymore. Now that we're together, I'm like, well, that's why you wanted to fuck them in the first place, right? Right. Now you just don't want other people thinking about them in the same way, right? You hate the way you think about them. You don't want other people to do it the same th- the same thing you did. Which is wild to me because I can I could not date anybody that everyone else does not also want to fuck. <laughs> right, there's got to be some capital here. There's got to be a bounty. <laughs> um, speaking of Jonah Hill, Woof. is also Who? a man, and. <laughs> It does not get worse than that text. It does not get worse. That text is... The text is so... I'm sorry. The text is so funny to me because it's written with the, like... It's written with, you know, like, the energy of, like, you would send someone, like, um, a grocery list. Yes. Precisely. It's like, make sure you pick up, like, um, hot dogs for the barbecue, but get this kind of hot dog because I don't like this kind. It's just very, like, specific... And so just like, um, I don't know, I don't want to say cold, but just like lacking in any sort of like emotion. Negotiation. Like yes. it's just like, here, here's what you need to pick up. It's a chore. Except yes. what he's telling her it's to your do dad is... dad sending you a grocery list, actually. Yes. Precise. Yes. You're, you're too stupid to make your own decisions. <laughs> Except what he's doing is saying, you can't dress this way. You can't behave this way around certain people. Better not act this way about uh, around other men. And anyway, this text was posted publicly. And I mean, it's just, it's a ball of insecurity. I mean, how else can you describe it? It's somebody telling his girlfriend to behave in a a set amount of ways and acting like she's stupid if she doesn't get it. Yeah. I mean, so he was dating his ex, Sarah Brady, who's, you know, this surfer um, and, you know, uh, obviously is always taking photos of herself in um, swimwear. You know, often one will surf in swimwear. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, <laughs> um, she's not the flying nun. Okay, okay. So, much <laughs> <laughs> as we love the early Sally Field cannon. <laughs> um, 
But obviously, that's why he was attracted to her, you know, like a hot surfer. And then, unfortunately, once they got together, he blue crushed her dreams. Yes, (laughs) the Wolf of Wall Street emerged. (laughs) He was like, I don't want you dressing sexy. I don't want you, you know, posting photos like this. And it's like, well, ain't she a surfer? Yeah, right. I, I, I can't picture an alternative, frankly. Um. I think what's most um what's most interesting about this particular story though is just the evolution of Jonah Hill because like he started out in like super bad and these other films right and like you like no one really like, did we take him seriously as an actor really like he was a funny he actor. was a likable big galoot he, yes yeah. uh and then you know like he was great in 21 Jump Street 22 Jump Street um and then came the period where he, you know, he was doing like Wolf of Wall Street Prestige, and stuff. Yeah, or, Moneyball. Or Moneyball, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Which I love. I love Moneyball. I would say that movie is successful based on what it is, which is people being on the phone in a room. Yes. Yeah. Um, just like Scream. <laughs> wow. Good double feature. <laughs> um, but like after doing the Prestige work, then he did his, you know, um, his losing weight thing. You know, mm-hmm. and then then he like seemed to transform into sort of like a um, hippie, like surfer adjacent, like you know, like one of those people um, who's um, smelling like patchouli whenever they walk into a party. You know, uh, yes, and, right. and and not in the a way Brick and Meyer and Clueless, yes. yeah, uh, and not in the way that Juliana Rancic um, accused Zendaya. <laughs> A smelling like patchouli. <laughs> to date, the most famous patchouli reference on the planet. <laughs> Can I say, though, <laughs> in retrospect, one of the best things to happen to Zendaya. I, she, like, parabolically rose from there. Yeah, I mean, tr- I feel like uh, she was an actress that we loved. Um, and singer. But, and singer, yeah. Well, she don't do that shit no more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you want a vocal? I don't think so. No. Um, she'll take another Emmy. Yeah. Um, but that moment sort of made, um, I feel like, the internet rally around Zendaya in a sort of protective way. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. And it gave, it, you know, like, the internet loves a common enemy. So once Juliana became the enemy, then, like, that helped with Zendaya's rise. Right. If, you know, if there's anything Stan's love, it's feeling like they are up against something. Yeah. Uh, that which, unites them. Which is what we've always said on the show, like about how, like you know, there are two, there are like two main ways to become a celebrity on a higher tier. You either couple up with another celebrity because the tabloids love gossip. Yep. Um, or you need to have something bad happen to you. Right. Because and then you get sympathy of um, consumers of Americans, like of the people like watching you, and then. That will, you know, help you in your career. We should put out a pamphlet or something. I believe this will help out certain people. Naomi Watts, you should read the pamphlet. (sighs) Even though she keeps coupling up with famous people. Anyway, she's with Billy Crudup now. I think she's, well, interesting. Famous people that people care about. Okay, that's true. Yeah. Minor <laughs> Emmy winners. No, no, not the same no, thing. No one is hiding in the bushes, snapping photos of Billy Crudup leaving Giorgio Baldi's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Naomi Watts. Okay. Like, right. You beat that fuck, hurricane that one time. Fuck Timothy Chalamet. Right. That would help. 
Honestly. See, and I, there and you know what? I bet he'd do it because he is a hoe. Yes, and he loves <laughs> celebrity ladies. Yeah. <laughs> is he still with Kylie Jenner? I still Who's don't know if say? I believe that. I believe that they hooked up, obviously. He, he's um, currently but... with Oompa Loompas, as we just described. <laughs> so I don't know if they have time. Kyrie caught him in bed with a Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's like, this is even too weird for my family. <laughs> Chris can't spin that. <laughs> Drug oh. addict? Sure. <laughs> Grand wizard? Maybe. <laughs> oh God! But we need a, to be retired. <laughs> but not a oompa stumper. No. Oh my God! Wow. <laughs> Coining new words for the tabloids. Thank you. <laughs> oompa stumper. Yes. Anyway, Joe to hell. I would say that I'm sad, but he did do that movie, You People. Right. So he had this coming. Yeah, there was some comeuppance <laughs> in the air. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's our show this week, I guess. No guest. I hope I hope it was entertaining enough. Just, you know, Statler and Waldorf here babbling their asses off. Yeah, you know. Mulder and Scully. Sure. Just to get an X-Files reference in. I was going to say a show I've seen one episode of, but I believe you. Yeah, after Alex Edelman clocked me last week. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> God, I love him. All right. Um, thank you to us for being here this Thanks week. Thanks for being here, Ira. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a pleasure. And um, I will see you all next week with whoever our guest host is. And if you see my luggage in the Penn Station, lost and found, you know who to ring up. It's Gray, Ramova. It's scuffed also. Yeah, just dial 1 800 Keep It if you find the <laughs> luggage. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Megan Patzel and Rachel Gajewski, and to Matt DeGroote and David Tolls for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. 
Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.